Welcome to In Orbit, the podcast exploring how technology from space is empowering a better world. Brought to you by the Satellite Applications Catapult. I'm your host, Sarah Crudis, and in this series, we'll be in conversation with some of the most inspiring minds in the country, exploring the ways that the UK is using space to make huge differences to our everyday lives, as well as gaining a better understanding of its role in shaping and sustaining our planet for the future. In today's episode, we will be discussing the Agri-Living Lab and how collaboration between agriculture and space technology promises to improve the sustainability and efficiency of farming. I'm joined by Callum Kelly, Satellite Solutions Architect at the Satellite Applications Catapult, Palmjeet Chima, Head of the Engineering Department at Harper Adams University, and Digby Sowby, Project Manager at Wessex Internet. Today, a large tractor can do in a day what used to take 100 people a week. Though it may not seem like it at first glance, agriculture is one of the most advanced industries in the UK. But tight margins, environmental decline and growing demand is increasing the need for more efficient uses of our land. It's estimated the world will need to feed 10 billion people before the end of the century. Yet at the same time, we are faced with a climate crisis that requires the urgent protection of our natural resources. To meet these challenges, we need to focus on getting the most out of what we already have. We need more efficient farming methods that are kinder to the environment. We need sustainable, nature-focused solutions. We need innovation. So how do we even begin? And how can satellites help? Earth observation and satellite data help farmers understand important metrics such as soil quality, weather and yield. Still, connecting farmers to the data has been a hurdle for the industry. For new solutions to be adopted so that farming efficiency can improve, trust needs to be built. Farmers need to know what the solution can do, how the technology works and ultimately whether it can save them money. The Agri-Living Lab at Westcott, launched at the 2021 Westcott Space Expo, is a new initiative aiming to connect the different players within the industry with the goal of building this trust. By bringing technology providers, policymakers, scientists and supply chains together, the Living Lab facilitates the co-design and co-creation of agri-tech solutions. Technology is built with contributions from the end users to make efficient, scalable solutions that are tested and trusted by the industry. As our, our population is increasing, um, 10 million mouths to feed um, later this um, century, there, there's a huge amount of potential and a huge amount of crossover that can actually come from space technology and farming and how we adapt farming for our future. And I wanted to start by bringing in you, Callum Kelly, from the Satellite Applications Catapult. And if you could just set the scene the challenges we're facing and how space applications can help. Yeah, I think it's it's fair to say you know the, the, our food system is is facing some enormous uh, challenges currently, as we can see just the the huge increase in uh, input costs, uh, the demands on on labour and the labour shortages currently, and uh, and obviously the, the climate agenda, how farmers deal with the impacts of climate change and how collectively we uh, reach that net zero goal. So uh, one of the opportunities we see is the role of innovation and technology in helping to find solutions to those uh, challenges. And uh, that's where we are collaborating uh, with partners like Harper Adams to create this um, agri-living lab uh, where we are creating the environment to um, enable 
users from across the food system to come together to co-design and, and innovate and collaborate um, with this technology to utilize this uh, connectivity capabilities that we have and um, create these solutions uh, which um, harness technology uh, to, uh, to solve some of these, these grand challenges. And so the Agri-Living Lab is a collaboration between the satellite application Catapult and Harper Adams University. Can you just explain what it is? Well, so the Agri-Living Lab is a, uh, a network of real-world real testing environments, um, which enables users to come together and exploit the latest generation of connectivity. So um, we do have a physical site that we are currently building um, at a location called Westcott near Aylesbury. Um, so that is a location where the satellite applications catapult has a, a number of um, different facilities um, around uh, things like uh, drone, drone testing, uh, the future networks, and then our living labs that we're developing there as well. So there will be a physical space to, to test and develop uh, this sort of innovation technology. But we also recognise that there is um, already a huge amount of expertise and capability across the UK. We're very, very strong in the UK uh, with agri-tech um, innovation, such as uh, uh, what you know, the likes of Harper Adams. So that is yeah, our first partnership uh, as part of the Living Lab is with Harper Adams University um, to really benefit from the... Uh, the, the resource, the facilities and uh, you know, the broad expertise and networks that, that they have. And I just wanted to use this as an excellent opportunity to bring in Palmjeet Chima from Harper Adams University. Uh, Palmjeet, can you just explain your involvement and the value of collaboration between the space sector and technology and farming in order for us to overcome these huge challenges that we face? Yeah, it's a massive opportunity. Uh, technology, as we all know, evolves at such a great pace. And what we want to do is to harness that technology very early on and, and apply it to something that we all require, and that's food. And so food is at the, at the heart of global issues, and alongside food is the environment. And this is where we believe that the Agri-Living Lab can actually help develop new solutions, products and systems, help entrepreneurs find a, a test bed or a sandbox where they can co-design, co-create uh, with the help of experts and subject matter experts, not just from technology, such as uh, experts from the satellite applications catapult, but also subject matter experts from the environment, the land, the farm, soils, water, etc. Um, so we will have the test bed set up that will enable them to, in a safe environment, in an open environment, but a secure environment, develop these solutions. And what are the challenges that we face? Why do we need to adapt the way we farm for the future? Well, uh, how Callum, long have you got? Even <laughs> how long have I got? Callum's highlighted a lot of it. The, the challenges are that landmass is finite. Uh, landmass is, in fact, reducing in many cases. Water scarcity is uh, evident. Uh, desertification is taking place. And what we have done is developed a system which may not be so efficient, the current food systems that we have. But with the application of technology, we can make it more efficient, we can make it uh, more productive, we can increase the yields. And in fact, we can address some of the labour shortages as well, certainly using robotics and mechatronic systems. We can develop solutions 
for example, like the hands-free hectare and the hands-free farm project, where labour is not, well, it's minimised. It's still needed, but perhaps a different skill set is now required. Um, and so we can develop all these solutions that will help the farmer grow the crops more efficiently using less inputs, keeping the cost down, and perhaps even using less herbicides and pesticides because we can direct down to plant level as opposed to just field level. And would you say when it comes to farming, and I've visited the facilities at Harper Adams, sometimes even for us in the space sector, it's hard to believe how much space technology is actually helping the farming industry and how much tech actually goes into farming right now. Oh, absolutely. It's a, there's a huge amount. If you ever go into a cab of a, a modern tractor, you will see three, four, five screens there, you know. Uh, there are uh, multiple antennas on top of a, a machine that will give you position, accuracy, help you with navigation, and even provide you with uh, communications. In, and uh, what we're looking to do is to enhance that further. So 5G is here now, and we're looking to sort of have machines connected to 5G. Equally, we are very keen on some of the systems that are being launched into space, like low Earth orbit satellite systems. That can communicate directly with a person or an IoT device, a sensor in the field, or a sensor in a, a cab. So we can relay a lot of this information into a central area that can then make those insights, those decisions, um, without having the farmer scroll through multiple spreadsheets, we can actually prevent some of the information to them in a big dashboard to show them what is happening in their fields and with their crops, and perhaps even uh, launch machines to undertake various actions or perform actions in a field um, to help them um, to help produce food, which is, uh, uh, I guess, uh, Costless, um, but yet, but yet uh, uh, produces more from the from the field itself. So it's more productive in in that respect. And just to be clear on this, it's not just for farming in the UK. This is something which can particularly help in the developing world as well. Oh. If you're looking at irrigating the land and how to better farm the land when resources are scarce. Oh, absolutely. Um, a simple example would be just understanding the weather, what's happening out there. You know, uh, having the information. A farmer typically only gets 40 shots at getting food production right in his lifetime, an average wow, farmer. Wow, in a lifetime. In a lifetime. So they can't afford to take too many chances, and they don't. Hence why the proverbial farmer is always looking over the hedge at the farmer next door to see what they are doing, you know. Um, so we, we need to give them all the support they can so they can make the right decisions at the right time. And the environment is changing. We can all see the, the effect of climate change. So a farmer has a very finite window to do a lot of the cropping actions uh, when they're going to sow the seeds, when they're going to harvest. And they're always against Mother Nature. So, you know, flash flooding, torrential rains, heat, um, you name it, uh, any of the elements, uh, environmental elements uh, you, you can uh, think of, frost, snow, will have an impact on the farmer in a big way. And if we can help them and support them with some technology, then that could only help to improve food supply and food production. And did you just want to chime in there, Yeah, Colin? just uh, another point on the, on the global element is that, um, you know, food 
really has grown in, in very rural, remote places, often around the world, and which doesn't have access to some of the terrestrial connectivity that you know, we may have in the UK, although it's obviously not widespread in the UK um, either. So that is where um, satellite connectivity can have a real uh, benefit by providing that connection to yeah, people, devices, uh, different technology, um, so that they can yeah, take, take benefit from the sort of um, applications that Palm just outlined. Oh, sorry, I was just going to add to that. And it's not just around the globe where in rural areas there isn't connectivity. It's the same in the UK, you know. 96% of the UK population is connected. But that 96% is often in urban areas. That 4% population, which accounts to about 1.1 million people, are not connected. And a vast majority of those are in rural areas. And in rural areas, that is where you find your farmers. Well, earlier in this series, we actually explored the 5G Rural Dorset project and how 5G is actually improving connectivity and, and bridging that digital divide within the UK. And I wanted to now bring in Digby Sowerby, who is from Wessex Internet. And Digby, can you just um, explain how 5G can help in relation to farming and, and the how we're going to see changes within the next five, ten years? Mm-hmm. Essentially, we're trying to look at how connectivity... Um, it's challenged in agriculture um, and so in rural areas especially. So um, as Palmaji touched on, a lot of the connectivity might be better in urban areas but not necessarily so strong in rural areas. Um, 5G is an interesting type of connectivity because it's divided and designed fit for purpose. And so there are three really clear purposes um, 5G is designed for. You have a really low-frequency 5G, which essentially collects small amounts of data from lots of devices across the farm and feeds that into a central system. You have this mid-frequency 5G, um, which has about enough reach. You can probably get about a kilometre and a half uh, from a mid-frequency 5G, which can transport a lot of data. So you could download a video very quickly or upload images very quickly. Um, And then you have the high frequency 5G, which only reaches a very short amount of distance, um, but can can transport large amounts of data. Um, One of the main frustrations we see in agriculture, we're very close to agriculture as a company. We were born out of a farm and most of our customers are farmers or a lot of our customers are farmers. Um, And some of the big challenges they face um, are in terms of reliability, um, interoperability and affordability. Um, And so we need to design networks that are able to overcome these main challenges for farmers. And so when we deploy 5G in rural areas, we need to make sure that it's fit um, for addressing these certain needs. Because at the moment, the issue with 4G um, is that it doesn't certainly pervade most of the rural areas. It doesn't have the capacity um, to be able to upload large amounts of images, um, which is what we'll need uh, further down the line uh, when we look to robotics or, or cameras on the farm. Um, and and I guess um, really really on that. And in terms of in, in terms of five G mm-hmm. um, and and your involvement in the Agri Living Lab, yeah. how much um, change have you seen, and, and are you hoping to see? Mm-hmm. So I think one thing to say is that we're still very much in the early stages of all of this. Um, lot, technology has evolved on farms uh, over many years, and like Parmesan alluded to earlier. Um, I mean, people are quite astounded when they see um, lasers on combines and uh, yeah, screens. Hey, did all you over just say lasers on combines? Yeah, 
you have lasers, so uh, combine, uh, you can just press go on the combine and, and the laser on the outside of the, um, the bed will follow the wheat along the right. field and so it can steer using the laser on the side. That sounds like something out of a science fiction movie. <laughs> but it's been around for 10, 10, 15 years, maybe longer, I'm not yeah. exactly sure, but, but it's been around for ages. And, and so people are quite surprised when they see some of these technologies in agriculture. Um, yet at the same time, um, farmers just spend 99% of their time trying to fix problems that tech provides for them. And the main frustration that we have um, with all the farmers on the trials is that these technologies are fantastic, but at the moment, just nothing works. Nothing connects together. There's a million standards and none of them are standard together. <laughs> um, and uh, and so we just need to, with 5G, you have this opportunity that everything is open, essentially. And something like the Agri-Living Lab, where you have a space where people can collaborate, um, and especially future small industry players, which may become large industry players, uh, like robots or drone companies or camera companies or all these, all these different organisations can come together um, and build an open environment for agriculture so that you don't have this sort of segregated market. And, and, you, and you mentioned um, farmers and, and technology. Mm. How much of a challenge is it, and this is both to you, Digby, and then maybe if you want to chime in afterwards as well, Palmji, how much of, is it, of a challenge is it to, to get farmers to embrace this new technology? Is it a cultural challenge or, or is it something we need to get the tech right? Is it something which 5G will solve as a problem? Um, how do we solve these challenges? Uh, I mean, it's a fantastic question because you have a million different types of farmer, um, a million different attitudes to technology. And within the trials, we have three three main, the 5G rural Dorset trials at the moment, we have three, three main uh, farmers who each have their own different attitude to the technology. One's really embracing it. Um, one's fed up that it never works. Um, and the other one's really engaged and interested in it. But doesn't doesn't know necessarily too much about it um so i guess for the industry um it's about awareness of what the technology can do um but also i think it will come more in a regulatory way into agriculture um about having to supply certain data sets um and prove certain points um into the future so farmers are going to be paid for natural capital um so for for biodiversity on the farm or for water or for soil uh they're going to have to prove that they they've actually delivered that on the farm and so that's where i think data especially and and technology will especially be useful into the future Awareness is the, is the big thing here, and, mm. and, and the Agri Living Lab will seek to do that as well. So it will bring in the farmers, and the farmers are at the centre of all of this. And sometimes technology is developed in isolation, and I don't think we can do that now. You know, with only a few years to go, and the ever increasing global population, and all the challenges we face with the face with the environment, we need those solutions now. And this is a collaboration it's cooperation with the farmers it's working hand in hand to come up with solutions and they've got to be they're going to be part of that solution and they're going to be there at the start of that solution um so there are those farmers that very much like the technology and like you've explained you know some of those lasers on combine harvesters they were some of the first people to adopt technologies like that auto steer systems which we don't even have on our vehicles at the moment, although autonomous cars are on their way. But auto steers have been on tractors for many a year now. So there, are a, there is a group of farmers that will welcome and embrace technology. But what we're hoping to do at Harper Adams University is produce 
the next generation of farmers that can then work with robotics and mechatronics solutions and understand technologies like artificial intelligence computer vision uh, and bring maybe new technologies to farming such as virtual reality or augmented reality into farming so there are lots of solutions but we see that the agri living lab will be open to the farmers as well as the next generation of farmers and they're probably still in school <laughs> at the moment yeah. do, do you think we'll see a new type of farmer as well because farming's a traditionally an industry where less and less people have been going into it and there's been a skills shortage. Could we see programmers and, and people in the space industry working in farming? Absolutely. I, I would like to see farming as a career path. Um, at this moment, it doesn't appeal to many, not even the children of farmers. Um, it is a 367-day-a-year job, eight days a week, 36 hours a day. It is demanding. But if we can put in the technology, and the technology is here, um, and make that work for the farmers, um, so that they don't that it's reliable, they don't need to perhaps do a lot of data entry themselves. Perhaps a lot of the information is readily available. I think we can make it such that somebody gets up in the morning and they see a big screen in the farmhouse, and they would have seen the operation that some of the machines have done overnight because. They found that the wind speed was down and an autonomous spraying robot went out and sprayed some of the crops. You're making farming sound exciting. Mm. It is. <laughs> well, actually, it will be. Just, I, just, I can see the passion in yes. your voice when you, yeah. you talk about this. And, and can you just explain your background and how you got involved in oh, this sector? My, my background's been in engineering and technology, uh, predominantly within education but a lot of it's been involved with the automotive industry and the automotive industry has been at the cutting edge of some of the biggest developments and very close to that i've got a passion in motorsports as well and some of the motorsports industries have been using uh, satellite communication especially for safety systems around uh, formula one and other areas and so what I have done is look to bring in the best of breed from other technologies, from other sectors where the technology is prevalent into farming. And, and we can do that. And one of the things that Harper is very good at, and certainly working with partners like Satellite Applications Catapult, is to do that systems integration. Some of those technologies are already available. You can pick it off the shelf, integrate it, and come up with a solution relatively quickly and perhaps at a, an economical price as well. And I think it's a great point to bring you in now, Callum. Do you, do you think we need to get more of a um, collaboration between the space industry and the farming industry, one which, you know, on the surface of things, you might not think would be related? Yeah, I mean, definitely. I think just to Palm's previous point around, you know, how farmers are embracing technology more now, we're seeing more farmers and farming businesses um, employing and creating these roles like chief technology officers, the sort of things you'd see maybe in, in big companies. Now farming companies are, are creating those sort of roles because they're seeing the real value in, uh, in technology and, uh, and creating those sort of environments where they can collaborate with organisations that they maybe previously wouldn't have, um, such as uh, sort, of, sort of small startups or SMEs who are uh, uh, have technology and products and services to be applied within agriculture. 
key to the Agri Living Lab is um, connectivity from a te- technology point of view, but also connection from a people point of view, and and creating that environment to bring together um, space, the space community, and the agricultural env- um, community to uh, create that environment where they can collaborate, innovate, and, and co-design solutions um, to a- address the uh, challenges the agricultural community is facing. And what are the um, goals of the Agri Living Lab? So that, uh, simply that, so to create that environment to to uh, foster that collaboration, um, innovation, and co-design products and services, um, but also to um, support businesses to rapidly scale up and uh, innovate uh, into new uh, sectors like the agri food system. And and how long do you foresee it being used as, as some a demonstration, for want of a better word, and before you you roll it out um, into the industry as a whole? And how large is this market between the space sector and the farming center what what is the potential for the market there i mean the the market is is, is huge and it's as digby has pointed out you know the, the trend in moving towards technology and agriculture has been going on for you know 20 30 40 odd years and we're being pushed into uh you know having to innovate around these new challenges because of things like regulation uh demands on inputs and resources productivity, environmental concerns, all those sort of things are, are forcing us to uh, think differently, um, collaborate, innovate and uh, and use technology in, in new sorts of ways. So that's where we're looking to be a partner with the likes of Harper Adams and other, other organisations um, over the next uh, few years as we sort of really develop and, and get the Agri-Living Lab established um, and let it organically grow to uh, really exploit the capabilities from space uh, and apply that with ag- in agriculture. Absolutely, um, um, we we see that the living uh, the agri living lab will have lots of contributors, and we'd like to see that as a a hub for uh, creativity, a hub for discussion, and a hub for coming up with solutions that may, in some in some cases, or, and it'll be what I call is engineerpreneurs so not quite entrepreneurs but they the engineerpreneurs are more open ag so they're about coming up with solutions to help with the environment or with the climate or helping food production so they may not necessarily have a a profit element to it or even a business element but there is an element to help the community or to help the global community and what does the Agri-Living Lab provide which isn't currently available? So it's access to some of the high technologies that we're talking about, connectivity, communications, whether it's 5G, satellite communications of all sorts. IoT is very big and it's often talked about, but very understood, you know, and the understanding of IoT. It feels like a buzzword sometimes. It is a buzzword. And, and I think sometimes there is that uh, issue and problem that we cloud some of the fundamental issues with buzzwords and maybe we should move away. Although I have come up with another buzzword, but oh. uh, <laughs> um, but hopefully it will What's make a bit one The yeah, other buzzword just, is, uh, <laughs> my buzzword is the internet of fields. Oh. And this is the ability to have sensors and communication systems dotted in every field in the country. So you can understand the soil health. You have information about what's happening with the crop. So you can understand the relevance of uh, 
you know, fertilizers, uh, disease and pests. Um, in fact, Internet of Fields will also monitor biodiversity in a field as well. So it gives us a, a complete picture a complete, of what's going on. Complete picture of what's going on in a field. And I think adding on to that, and probably very much in relation to that, is you, we have this concept of a digital twin, whereby you have a sort another of... Buzzword is <laughs> another buzzword, is that? And the digital twin, essentially, almost similarly to IoT of fields, um, or Internet of fields, sorry. Um, digital twin is essentially giving you a virtual um, representation of your farm so that you can then model um, into the future what different scenarios might look like. Um, and IoT is going to be... Um, essential to that because being able to understand what weather's going to be, what your soil's like, what your rivers are doing, all that sort of stuff can help you uh, model what decision you want to make. And it can just, it doesn't sort of change that farmers are not making the decisions. It's more giving them more information to be able to make decisions um, with which to make decisions. Uh, and Digby, in terms of we know sensors and, and all this tech is going to improve farming and improve the way we use the land. But combining that with 5G and the work that you've done, how how much of a significant impact is that going to make on productivity and successful crops and meeting these demands? Well, so the Again, the big disconnect at the moment is between the technology and the connectivity. Um, there's not connectivity there in the fields. And so what we're trying to do as part of uh, 5G Rural Dorset Project and what the Agri-Living Labs um, will also contribute to is that connectivity in the fields and how we design um, networks around rural areas which are able to um, enable these technologies to work. So, for example, with your robots, we're working with a robot company that transfers six terabytes of data a day, which is an enormous amount of data. Um, and at the moment, the system works where you have someone in the field piloting the robots. You take the robot home. You have to take the hardware out, put it onto a computer, upload it for a million hours, and then and then send it back to the farmer for them to be able to use. Whereas in the future, what 5G we hope will be able to do is going to be able to completely automate all that. So the robot can 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 um, be active alone in the field without a pilot, and that data is transported immediately to the farmer to be able to make a decision to then um, direct the other robot in the other part of the field um, to do something. It's all sounding very sci-fi. <laughs> do, do you think that um, having 5G, and it sounds quite complex, but now with the 5G, it, it makes the process more streamlined, um, more, more simple. Do you think that will encourage more farmers who might be a little technology adverse, should we say, to actually get involved in, in these new farming techniques of the future? Do you think 5G really is the key to success with this? Connectivity is definitely the key. Whether that is 5G, we don't know yet because 4G in many ways can be very useful for farmers. So going around the farm, it's just having mobile connectivity so you can make a phone call or you can download your maps on your phone or your iPad when you're out and about. So I think it's going to be a combination of, of, of 4G, 5G, satellite um, and all different types of communications into that. Um, totally agree with what Digby says. Um, the, the communications... Um, and the way technology has evolved, we've often been left with few choices. Um, you know, it's 4G, um, 2G may not be around, it may be, and now we're moving up to 5G. But there are other communication protocols as well, and, and we tend to use a lot of those, like uh, Bluetooth and some of, the, some of those technologies, or even RFID, like NFC technologies, and LoRa and Sigfox, you know, and even Wi-Fi. And what we found with the, the Hands-Free Hectare project, Hands-Free Farm project, was that 
we needed about half a dozen communication technologies mm -hmm. to move one tractor in a field. And that becomes uh, very cumbersome. And, and then you have lots of issues in making sure that you're managing that technology in, in a way that you can be useful. So if you have 5G or satellite communications and two big technologies like that, then it makes the whole process a lot easier. It makes communications with the machine. So totally understand where you're coming from, where you've got lots of data that you're gathering by virtue of the fact that the machine is in a field. It's, it's looking at the height of the crop. It's looking to ensure there's no obstacles or even a, a deer or a badger in the way. Um, it needs to process that very, very quickly and then do one thing and one thing only, make a decision. Where we want to get to is this basically ubiquitous connectivity. So um, regardless of um, what sort of connectivity the farmer may be using for his, on his phone or like a robot in the field or the drone, um, it may be using various different types of connectivity um, elements to connect, but the farmer doesn't need to worry. It just automatically ubiquitously connects to what it needs. And in terms of what the satellite applications counterpart is doing, how are you assisting with that? I'm sure we haven't got time for all the ways that you're assisting, but if you could just briefly outline how you're helping and how space technology is helping with this connectivity. Yeah, so we we exist to, to represent the UK's space sector and, and pull through that expertise and capability from space into markets like um, agriculture. So we have a huge amount of um, amazing expertise, both from startups and SMEs right through to, you know, big established companies um, who uh, have some incredible products and services which can have a huge impact and add a lot of value to uh, industries like agriculture. So we exist to help connect uh, those two spheres and uh, and the Agri-Living Lab is just our latest uh, uh, method of, of creating that space where that innovation can happen. And what is the next step after the Agri-Living Lab? How do we move this forward? Well, I think the UK has, um, it's very lucky in, in that it has a huge amount of expertise in the agri-innovation sphere. So the Living Lab is positioned to um, really uh, pull through that expertise from space and provide that connectivity uh, for agriculture. So that is where our, our vision is, is that we have um, agri, uh, or sorry, space-enabled um, agriculture, which is ubiquitous across the UK. Um, and enables sort of stimulation uh, for that innovation in that space and to help address some of those broad challenges that we, we're, we're facing. And, and in terms of the, if you just want to pick up there, Pamji, I can see you. Um, yeah. In, in terms of the farm of the future, how big a role is space playing? Uh, absolutely massive role. Um, I mean, at this moment in time with the, uh, the Agri-Living Lab, we will have two fields that will be geographically separated, but have equipment that will perform the same operations. So one field in Westcott, another field at Harper Adams University in Newport, Shropshire, undertaking same operations, and we'll be able to relay that data over what we're calling the agri-superhighway between Oxford and Newport. And if we can do that over a small stretch of the UK, we'll be able to do it globally. And then we can do it in space as well, you know, and I wouldn't mind having a, a small plot of land on the moon that we can start farming for the university. Well, it's like, it's like you read my, my mind, and I know we talked about this bit before we started the recording, but, you know, 
if we're going to succeed in expanding humanity beyond Earth, which is the ultimate goal with what we're doing with space right now, the biggest hurdle is humans and the fact that we need to eat. And and, and farming is a, is a huge challenge. And if we could just extrapolate for a second how you, you know, obviously we need to crack the problem with Earth-based farming, but as more and more humans go to space and we get more you know, long-duration missions and bases, how do you see... Harper Adams, and then almost like the foundations that the Agri-Living Lab and all this work we're doing today, how do you see that extrapolating in the future to that, as you said, the Harper Adams uh, Living Lab on the moon? How do we get to that point and how do you envision it? Yeah, uh, there's probably lots of stages forward, but, you know, we can just see how space technology has moved forward in leaps and bounds only recently with what's happened with uh, Virgin and indeed Amazon uh, going into there. So private companies that are coming in that will make it possible to send machines, equipment, satellite systems into space. And we can look at developing some of those technologies whilst in space. So, you know, configuring machines. Um, I guess in the heart of it, it's going to be computing to a large degree we're moving from a very sort of what was a hardware centric industry in the ag world to something that's going to be very much defined by software in fact it will be software defined agriculture so we can then use software to make decisions about changing the operations, uh, the sampling of information, uh, performing of a particular process, uh, as opposed to then having to go there and add a bit of hardware to do it, so which may be somewhat difficult. So uh, a bigger emphasis on the software elements in agriculture will see um, the ability to do uh, farming in space or indeed on the moon or, or indeed any other planet. So so what you're saying is really we need cyberspace to go to outer space? <laughs> in some way, <laughs> yes. <laughs> and uh, yeah, where the Agri-Living Lab is, is situated at Westcott, we have um, organisations based on the same campus there, which are, well, they have built the engines which are taking rockets to the moon and currently taking uh, rockets to, the, to Mars currently. So... You know, where else would you find a company that does something like that next to a company which is trying to bring ag innovation together with space innovation is creating that environment where these, you know, different organizations and communities can come together, innovate, collaborate, co-design these sort of solutions uh, in, in one space. And do you just think that that symbolizes how much space tech is involved with farming and will be in the future? And that example just just goes to highlight it. Absolutely. It's it's all coming together. There's there's so much applications and, and benefits and value being um, derived from it that, um, yeah, we won't only, can only push it forward further. And Digby, with the work that you're doing with Wessex Internet and, and trying to increase the connectivity and help farming on Earth, and we're not just <laughs> off here, what, what does it mean to you that you're able to play a huge part in, in meeting one of the greatest challenges that humanity is facing in terms of feeding an ever-growing population and also creating the future, creating this um, future, which almost seems like science fiction, but it's happening right now, thanks to space technology. 
Well, yeah, very much more grounded at Wesleyan. <laughs> so, still very much working in, in sort of rural southwest England um, and trying to trying to overcome those problems. And I think it's very easy to get caught up in a lot of the minutiae detail um, of the issues that we face. There's just masses and masses of difficulties in, in being able to get to these big places. But I think these visions are incredibly important of the future. Um, and I think they're spearheaded by some some really remarkable people within the industry um, and within, in agriculture who are sort of driving the industry in a good way. And I think we're looking at a very green um, agriculture into the future. Um, and I think that's where all the focus is going at the moment, um, how we can make land more productive um, and, and bring in biodiversity. Um, but in terms of, yes, this, this greater world, um, I think there's a lot to focus on in the here and now. So uh, probably focusing on that for a start and, uh, and, and then we'll see what comes after that. Step by step. Step then. by step, yeah. And, and, and how, what is the, you know, we talk about space potentially having a chance to be a you know, trillion dollar industry, you know, the sky is no longer the limit to lose that cliche. But in terms of the economics of farming and space-based technology, what kind of um, market cap are we looking at for that? How much is it set to be worth? Well, you could put a finger in the air and make up a number, you know, Um it's absolutely going to be colossal. We just need that next leap to occur. Uh, so we are able to go into space now more or less every other week if we wanted to. And it's the ability then to be able to send machines, equipment, and have uh, potentially robots in space and um, performing uh, some of the tasks, um, working uh, perhaps uh, learning if they're sort of AI systems that will be able to learn, think and behave and, and from that process be able to undertake complex activities that we as humans just can't do or certainly are unable to do because we're only productive for a good few hours of the day and not 24 hours as, as the case may be with some of the machines that are working. And I think that technology needs a massive investment in agriculture at the moment. And there's a lot of money out there in, in government going into agriculture. And I think the Agri Living Lab and we have the Agri Epicenters as well, um, which is sort of coming in the past sort of four or five years have sort of started to come about. But I think there's a real recognition that to be able to automate agriculture and to deal with a lot of the issues that Palmji and Callum talked about earlier, um, it's going to need a massive amount of um, investment in the technology. And I think the, the most important thing is to ensure that farmers are very much engaged um, with with that right at the beginning, um, which which I guess is obvious. Um, but it's, it's so easy um, to to lose that when you start bringing these other companies together um, it can often be a silo where they're, they're working on the innovations together whereas actually bringing in the farmers which is what we'll do with the agri-living lab um, is very much a staple to that because otherwise the farmers won't engage um, with what's being created um, and also products won't be developed which are necessarily fit for the farm because as Pamajit talked about earlier in automotive and safety that's where all investment's gone in the past and so there maybe in sensor world probably 10-20 years ahead of agriculture. And do you think this is something which needs to come 
from government or more from organisations like the Satellite Application Catapult in, in order to encourage this investment? So I guess Satellite Applications Catapult sits in a nice position. It's, it's in between government and industry. Um, so it's really good, really good, um, really good location. Um, but I think the market is sort of starting to sort this out itself as well. Um, and in terms of looking at carbon offsetting and offsetting of biodiversity, um, you see so many different types of carbon toolkits and uh, software solutions from different organizations that you see there's 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 people there who are interested and there's value there um but it's going to work itself out in the next few years i mean yeah we are seeing you know enormous investment into these sort of space space applications or when whether it's companies like starlink organizations like OneWeb, which you know the uk government has just um invested a, a significant amount in the cost of accessing space is coming down it's becoming cheaper to put constellations of satellites up there and therefore the applications that that um, enables uh becoming uh cheaper to access as well and that is what the agri-living lab is designed to harness that uh, those applications and create that environment to uh, make the most of it and, and really exploit what it's uh, uh, allowed to do. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'd just like to echo what Callum said. Um, there are systems now available that you could set up a satellite system in a field anywhere around the world, to be honest, uh, especially with the LEO satellites. Uh, there's hundreds, thousands of them at the moment, and more will be going up soon. Um, and you can communicate from a sensor in the ground in the field directly to the satellite. And that's never been achieved before, you know, a direct connection. And they're low power, uh, so you don't need to have massive uh, connections to the, the main supply or even a battery. Um, solar power in many cases will do it. And in the future, there may be in sufficient power from some of these satellites to turn on, excite, and get these devices to communicate uh, passively. Uh, so there's lots of exciting developments taking place and I think a lot of these will come together. And what we want to do in the Agri-Living Lab is to demonstrate some of these exciting technologies uh, to the world to show them what's readily, what's available now and how potentially it could be used in agriculture and maybe in other sectors as well. And just to just to finish up, because we are sadly out of time, I'm going to ask this to all of you. I'll start with you, Digby. Um, what excites you most about what we're going to potentially be able to achieve with the Agri-Living Lab? So I think with the Agri-Living Lab, the most um, interesting part of it is that you're going to be able to bring together um, different people within the industry and different organisations from within the industry and outside the industry um, and be able to apply it in different scenarios um, in different environments. Um, so whether it's on a Harper Adams University um, showcase centre or whether it's in the, the Westcott site or whether it's down in Dorset or across one of the farms across the country, um, you, we're, able, we're going to be able to test this in, in real life environments. Um, so I, I'd say that. Yeah, in, in the same way, uh, I would like to see the, the Harper and the Westcott only the start of the Agri-Living Labs. You want that moon base, that half well, hour moon base. But, <laughs> you know, we, we would like to see that network grow. And there are other universities, other institutions, other companies, other organisations. We're all going to be part of that solution to help feed the world. And some of this tech uh, will enable us to, to do that. And Callum? Yeah, exactly. It's, it's, it's about creating that, that network of test environments to really bridge the divide which exists between all the amazing UK agri-tech innovation that we have 
um, to create that right environment to um, stimulate innovation and, and find solutions to those uh, big grand challenges that our, our global food systems facing. Okay, well, I think that's incredible. And I think with we often think about space, to the layperson at least, about being exploration, but the vast majority of what we do in space is about Earth and that huge challenge that we face in terms of feeding an ever-growing population, particularly with the challenges of climate change. And to know that space can make such a difference and that space technology happening here in the UK is enabling that, it's just an incredible thought and it's such an exciting time. So I want to thank this week's guest, Callum Kelly from the Satellite Applications Catapult, Palmjeet Chima from Harper Adams University and Digby Sowby from Wessex Internet. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Thank you. To hear future episodes of In Orbit, be sure to subscribe on your favourite podcast app And to find out more about how space is empowering industries between episodes, visit the Catapult website or join them on Twitter, LinkedIn or Facebook.